We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. It's really easy to slide into conversations that fuel the fire and we never, ever look for a water source to put the fire out because we get caught up in it. And before we know it, the fire has surrounded us and we can't get out. And the only way to get out is to literally go through the fire and that's painful. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Tamara Letter is a passionate educator from Mechanicsville, Virginia, with 25 years experience as an elementary teacher, differentiation specialist, technology integrator, and instructional coach. She received the REB Award for Teaching Excellence and is the author of A Passion for Kindness, Making the World a Better Place to Lead, Love, and Learn. She's also a mom of three and strives each day to make the world a better place. I'm excited about Tamara. We've been talking a little pre-show and her energy is great. She's got a lot to say about people belonging, feeling safe, and um, a lot of stuff about her book. So I'm excited to hear from her. Welcome to the show, Tamara. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here to chat with you today. This is going to be great. I'm really excited about a lot of the things you have to say as far as supporting people and engaging people and stuff like that. But let's start with your book. We talked about a book that you wrote that came out in 2019. And why don't you tell us a little bit about that passion? Absolutely. Well, the book, as you read, is A Passion for Kindness, Making the World a Better Place to Lead, Love, and Learn. And it is literally a part of my soul that has been put out there for public consumption. Uh, but it really, the, the crux of the whole book is to get the reader to see all these different amazing ways that we can scatter kindness in the world, uh, in our daily uh, goings from place to place, in our relationships with people, in our workplace, our communities. It gives great examples of things that people are doing on a daily basis. And in woven between all of that is a little bit of uh, my life story and, and how kindness was planted as a seed in my soul. And, you know, the different aspects that were put in there to, to get that seed to bloom and blossom and then scatter more seeds of kindness in other places. And in the back of the book, we even have a reference section with tons of resources and websites and different places people can go if they want to learn more about kindness. For example... 
February is a fantastic month to be diving into kindness because on February 17th, we have the National Random Act of Kindness Day, which is supported by the Random Act of Kindness Foundation. Who knew there was a foundation just for kindness? It's so <laughs> yeah. exciting. But um, but they actually, uh, the, the RAC Foundation on their website, they have resources. If you want to celebrate this day, they have kindness calendars and all of these different things. But you know, it's, it's a one day kind of set aside to intentionally focus on kindness, but kindness, it happens every day and all throughout the day. And no matter where you are, there are kind people and there's kind experiences. So the book just tries to capture that in 270 pages of joy. And uh, yeah, it is, it is, like I said before, a piece of my soul out there for the world to read. That's awesome that you have something like that and you are just not shy about saying the importance of kindness and all the different things. And and the idea that it's not just a one-time act, it's something that we can do every day. I am curious if, if we can stay on your book a little bit and the idea of kindness, and you said that there's you know some strategies in there and things like that, um, just a little bit of the nitty gritty. You talk about random acts of kindness, and especially in a time like this that we've been going through where it's difficult for people to show up with Um, an attitude towards kindness. Mm. How can we, because random acts of kindness are great and it's great to, you know, have somebody do that to you or it's even better for you to do it to somebody else because of the feeling you get. How do we almost engineer people to act more kind in schools as leaders? You know, that is a great question uh, because it's true. You can take kindness in isolation and you can look at it as like a one and done. Like, oh, look at me. I'm so great. I did this one act of kindness. Now all my problems are solved, right? <laughs> Which is <laughs> never how it works. I think really what, what it, you have to do is you have to dial back a little bit and you have to think about, okay, what is it about this concept of kindness that changes people for the good? You know, is it, is it the act itself and the feelings we get? You know, we're biologically made for kindness. I mean, when you... When you do an act of kindness or you receive an act of kindness, or even if you just witness an act of kindness, biologically, your brain sends off all those feel-good chemicals, right? You got serotonin and you got oxycontin, all these different things that are popping through your brain when, when kindness is involved. So how do we, number one, recognize that, acknowledge the value of that, and then become a little bit more intentional in making sure that that's happening on a daily basis to the point where it almost becomes a habit. It becomes a part of who you are. A little bit about my journey with that, um, which I'll tie back into how you do this with schools. I started my journey truly as trying to celebrate my 40th birthday. Saw on Pinterest, back in the day, Pinterest was a big thing. And and I saw Pinterest where I was looking for ideas. What can I do to celebrate my 40th birthday? You know, it's pretty a milestone, but I'm a little bit older and, you know, don't want to do the crazy things. And I saw um, a blog post of this gal that had done something for her like 32nd birthday or 34th birthday, one or the other. And uh, it was all these different acts of kindness she did for her birthday. And I thought, oh, that sounds cool. Like, I want to do that. And a friend of mine said, hey, well, don't just do them. Like, you need to tell the stories behind them. Why don't you make a blog? Which again, 2012, that was kind of a newer thing. And so that really created the spark for not just doing acts of kindness, but being pretty transparent about talking about it and sharing the stories behind it. 
And as we've seen in, gosh, in a decade now that has passed by, you know, the conversations that surround kindness are, are becoming more open and more transparent, which is pretty ironic because we're entering a time that's actually also more divisive, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Uh, so it's interesting to kind of see that ebb and flow of how kindness is, is starting to become to the forefront, but it's right at a time when, when things are getting a little bit um, tense and stressful again. And so as we're looking to the work that we do with students, with staff members in schools, uh, I think it really comes back to, to looking back at the heart of it, which is those conversations and those relationships you have with people. You know, how do you show people that you care? How do you show people that they matter? How do you remind people that they are so valuable to the work that they do and the work that they share for you and to serve others? How do you capture that in such a way that it transforms the work they do? And I believe kindness can do that. I think kindness absolutely is a vessel that we can use, a conduit of sorts, to truly remind people of just how important they are. And that is ageless and timeless to do. That's fantastic. I And what a great... What a great explanation and ways to do that because I think back to and this is this is going back years there was a teacher that was in my building and her name was Simone Feaster-Amour she was a French teacher mm-hmm. and on her birthday I received a thank you card from her and she had come in and before she handed me the card, I looked at her and I said, "Oh, happy birthday," you know, and I I was wishing her a happy birthday and she She kind of got a little quiet and she said, oh, well, thank you. Here, she gave me the card, made a hasty exit. And so (laughs) I was like, okay, maybe that's not her language. Maybe she didn't care for that. But she gave me a thank you card. Mm. And so, of course, I reached out to her and I was like, wait, wait a minute. (laughs) I'm wishing you a happy birthday. And you gave me, what are you doing? You gave me a thank you card. This is your day to celebrate you. And she said, no, what I decided to do about eight years ago was on my birthday to pass out thank you cards to people and thank them for being people in my life mm. that had come that I had come across that helped and things like that. So I that really resonates with me what you said is this started out as kind of like a project for you mm-hmm. with showing kindness. Talk to me a little bit about gratitude because we talk about the effects that gratitude and practicing gratitude have on you. But I see that as more of an internal thing where acts of kindness are more of an external thing. And if we work on those in school, how can we how can we work on those in school or how does that look different in school so leaders don't get confused between the two? Great, great question. Um, because you're right. I mean, where we start with gratitude is, you know, the acknowledgement within ourselves of, wow, you know, what is it that I'm thankful for? And just like I see with young students, as I work with elementary schools, um, and I see with young students, you know, they they do they they think of themselves first, right? Because that's just natural. We do think of ourselves like, oh, me, 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 right? <laughs> um, but that's a great place to start, actually. You know, what are you thankful for? What are you grateful for? What is what's good in your life that you want to be appreciative of, right? And sometimes I encourage people to have gratitude journals or jot down little notes or put whatever. Um, But I think we have to be reminded sometimes of those things we are grateful for because it's easy to go through life and to walk past that level of appreciation and forget the joyful feeling we feel inside when we stop and reflect on the things that actually are good in our life. 
right? It's so easy. Oh my gosh. It's so easy to get pulled into the negative spire of everything else that's going on. And to be able to step out of that and to just be quiet in the moment and to be reflective and to just think, huh, what, what am I grateful for today? And it doesn't have to be grandiose. You know, it could be something very simple. Like I am really grateful for the fact that I was able to tie my shoelaces without tripping up on them as I walked out the door. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be this like major, major thing. But I find, just like I'd mentioned before, when we start to be very deliberate about anything in our life, whether it's practicing gratitude, whether it's exercising, whether it's making sure you leave work at a decent time to come home, no matter what it is, When you start to make something intentional in your life and then you build that into a practice, that habit no longer feels like work and it becomes a part of who you are. And so while we're focusing on that internal gratitude and I'm so thankful, there is absolutely a point of time where you do kind of feel the little nudge to share that with someone because it is transformative. It is so exciting. Like, wow, I'm in such a good, let me tell you how, how good I feel today, you know, or whatever. And, um, and so I do think that gratitude and kindness, while they are different, they do complement each other by going hand in hand. And while it's powerful for me to sh- be grateful for things, I can exponentially transform that gratefulness by having an outpouring and sharing that with someone else who has caused that to happen for me. So just as the story you were sharing about the person who made a deliberate decision to celebrate their birthday by writing thank you notes for other people. Wow, like how powerful is that, right? It's one day of the year, so minimal commitment, right? Nothing that's gonna stress you out. You know what's coming every single year around your birthday. Okay, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. And even if you committed to only like writing three to five thank you notes on your birthday. Like seriously, that's doable. But look how it impacted you. You received that note card and you were blo- you're like, it, it stopped you. It made you pause your day. It made you be like, whoa, wait a minute. This is not normal. This is not something I expected. This, this shifts my perspective in the moment. And there is joy embedded in that, right? There is value. Somebody noticed you. Somebody valued whatever was the contribution that you made to their life. That's huge. And those are the things that help propel us, you know, from good to great to magnificence, you know, and those are the things that keep us going on the days that we really struggle. See, listening to you, I'm like, preach, <laughs> but I, you know, <laughs> all, all of what you're saying, yes, 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 a thousand percent, yes. And it's such a powerful thing that it, mm. it it just makes so much sense to think that as you experience this yourself, as you spread it out to the world, other people experience it, take it, spread it out to the world, and it should be a growing thing. Now, that being said, mm. <laughs> I, I want to talk about, I want to just go back, if I can, to something you said at the beginning of that, the negative spiral. Mm. And, you know, pre, pre-show, pre you and I mentioned that word, those two words, toxic positivity. Oh, yes. Which, I'm a very positive person. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a very positive person. I'm like, yes, this is awful, but, um, Mm. and, and always looking towards the way we can come out through things. And then the articles came out about toxic positivity, started to get cycled about the building. And what really struck me is that 
nobody talks about how bad um, negativity is. And they don't talk about toxic negativity and how that (laughs) spreads. So I'm wondering how we can look that whole toxic negativity in the face because it's it's easy to be negative. It's easy to get caught up in the drama. Mm-hmm. It kind of sucks you in. How right. can we get people to see the good mm-hmm. that all this positivity brings rather than the excitement, the short-term gain? I guess it's like a long-term versus a short-term satisfaction. Short-term, yeah, you get all worked up. It's negative drama, stamp your feet. But longer-term, it's incredibly damaging where longer-term, the positive things bring you to a higher level. Mm-hmm. And they build on themselves and make everything else possible. Any thoughts around that or how we can combat the negativity piece? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we can eradicate it because negativity is, it's a human nature, right? It's its part, just as you have good, you're going to have bad, right? And just right. as you're going to have positivity, you're going to have negative. I think where the key lies and where the emphasis should be placed is not necessarily on the positive negative. It's on the word toxic. That's where our focus should be because like you, when I started seeing this years ago, actually shortly after my book came out, um, I started to see a, a little kick up of this whole zeroing in on toxic positivity to the point where even I had to be a little self reflective and, and had to come to my own, you know, rationale of what does toxic positivity look like for me? Where where do I fall into that spectrum? Because if you don't know me and you only interact with me for 10 minutes, you might quickly say, oh my gosh, we're throwing her under this category of toxic positivity because she's smiling the entire time. And that's so annoying. You know, she is constantly happy and nothing is more annoying than that. So, you know, if you don't get to know someone, you're quick to judge and that's human nature. But I think the difference between positivity and the difference between that and toxic positivity is that toxic positivity never has space to acknowledge that negativity exists. It doesn't acknowledge that things can be challenging. It doesn't acknowledge the struggle and the reality that people face on a daily basis when times are tough. And the toxic positive person is always Pollyanna in every situation, in every single way. And there literally is no capacity for any acknowledgement of anything that is not positive. That's toxic. Because if, if I'm in the middle of watching my mom die, which happened to me in 2017. My mom died in 2017. My mother-in-law died the year before. I was in that roller coaster ride of having to grapple with not only caring for two parents that were dying at the same time, but the own internal struggle of my own mortality. You know, as I reflected on family members passing away, that was not the time that I needed somebody bouncing into my life saying, oh, it's fine. It's all good. No, it's not. <laughs> you know? right, right, right. But even in the midst of those trying times and, and those, those moments where the struggle and the weight is so heavy to carry, Imagine if we didn't have any positivity at all surrounding us because it is the positivity that pulls us through. 
but it's not the toxic. So toxic is the key, right? right? So so the negativity works the same way. You know, absolutely. You're going to have an awful day. You might have a few. They might be in a row. It might be a whole week. Might even be longer, right? But at what point can we and how do we find those safe spaces where we can share our frustrations, where we can get the venom out of our soul because, you know, it's going to grow and fester if we don't. And how do we productively take those moments of negativity, get them out and push them to the side so that we can continue the positive work and the purpose of which we have been called to do. That is the key right there. And I think where people get into trouble, my own personal opinion, of course, is it's really easy to slide into conversations that fuel the fire and we never ever look for a water source to put the fire out because we get caught up in it. And before we know it, the fire has surrounded us and we can't get out. And the only way to get out is to literally go through the fire and that's painful. So the toxic negativity, if you've got someone like in in a staff of, of school members, you know, find your safe person, find your person. I call it in my office, I call it four walls and a door. A person comes to me, they'll say, oh my gosh, I just got to get this out. Oh my gosh, please. Yes, shut the door. Four walls and a door. Anything you say in this place is a vault. I am a vault. People come to me in my position as instructional um, technologist. They know that I'm going to keep their secrets. They know that I am not going to be gossiping about anything they share with me. And they also know that I'm not going to judge them for anything they need to get off their chest, right? That allows them to move past it and move on. Toxic negativity is where you've got those staff members and those other people that they just go on and on and on and on and they just feel the fire and they never get to a point or place of growth of where they say, wow, is there something productive I can do to change this? If not, complaining isn't definitely changing it. That's for sure. So how can I shift a little bit and put my focus and my attention into something that actually matters and can make a positive difference? You just left us with so many analogies <laughs> that are so <laughs> meaningful. Just just so I, because I want to make sure that I get this. That was, that was a fantastic, that was almost like a mini course in <laughs> the idea of toxic, the idea of getting rid of toxic out of our language. Yeah. But just so I, you know, and kind of to bring this together, the idea of gratitude and kindness, they build on each other and mm. they become small steps and then they move us in, and to quote you from good to great to magnificent. I love that piece, that magnificent piece. And positivity, once we have positivity, that's our hope for a better future. Mm. That's our hope to keep us moving forward. And the way leaders can do this is one, by being vulnerable themselves, which we hear a lot about. And two, being authentic, yes. admitting that, you know, you're right, this is not good. And maybe now is not the time to be smiling, bouncy and all that stuff. But now is also not the time to fuel the fire. Right. Maybe to just to be there. And I mean, Brene Brown does all kinds of stuff mm. on empathy and things like that and, and how to empathize, but also to create safe spaces. And I, I love the fact that you said four walls and a door because I have that same agreement with my teachers that they can come in the office and leaders can do this and it works. Come in my office, say whatever you want to say, and it's a vault. 
if you need to come in and vent, and I just had a teacher come in last week and say, okay, I just need to vent a little while. And I know that, okay, shut the door. I'm not there. And this took years of training by my wife to just shut my mouth and not solve the problem, just to listen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm not there to, to solve a problem. I'm not there to come up with an answer. I'm not there to report something or take action. I'm there to listen just so they can get it off their chest and and move forward. Like you said, walk through that fire if they need to. And listening is such a great act of kindness. Like people think often that when they're starting on their kindness journey, they'll think, oh, kindness is all about either buying something or doing something, you know, and, and they, they, they quantify it in those ways. Listening, wow, what an incredible act of kindness for another person to be able to stop your busy life and to say to somebody else, you know what? What you need to say has value. What you need to say is so important that I'm literally stopping what I'm doing to listen to you. That is huge. What an incredible act of kindness for another. On that note, (laughs) um, people listening to this have a ton of stuff already. What I do want to ask you, though, I want to dig into a little deeper as the next topic is what you think schools should look like and be for students and teachers. But I think we're going to talk about that a little while. So I just want to hear from our sponsors real quick, and we'll come back and hear about that. Today's podcast is sponsored by Better Leaders, Better Schools, the podcast that inspired me to start this one. Since 2015, the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast has released hundreds of episodes with millions of downloads. Subscribe and listen each week to great conversations on the topic of school leadership. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Okay, and we're back with Tamara. And we were talking before, we've we've talked so much about kindness and positivity and things like that. I'd really love to hear your answer for what you think schools should ultimately look like for teachers and students? What kind of experience should that be? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head right from the beginning when you had mentioned before about um, teachers and staff members wanting to feel safe and supported in their schools. Students need that as well. And, you know, if, if you have someone in your building who feels safe and they feel supported, They don't have boundaries for excellence. They can thrive in that environment, even if it's challenging, even if there are um, extenuating circumstances that might filter into their day. They're safe. They're supported. They know they have value. Uh, So I think, you know, at a bare minimum, that is absolutely what you need. Now, once you have that, you can build upon that. You know, you can explore different avenues of creativity and, you know, ways to strengthen communication and how to get um, students and teachers to collaborate and to, you know, really dive into that instructional learning process and and how do we make learning so exciting again and, and something we want to really embrace. But none of that will happen if your um, students and teachers don't feel safe. 
because you're trying to build upon a structure that doesn't exist. So you can't always start at the top. You have to really lay out that foundation and consistently keep repaving that road in order for people to succeed. That's awesome. And, you know, when so often when we talk about safety, we talk about lockdowns and visitors in the building and things like that. But what we miss is that whole emotional safety piece. Mm. That's so important for, like you said, people to thrive and people to become the best that they can. So mm-hmm. I'm really glad you brought that up, that safety seems to be seems to be the key ingredient there. Absolutely. It's the very first foundational thing kids need. Uh, well, not just kids, teachers too. You know, you're not going to be able to have a, a teacher thriving and excelling in their um, career and in their position and their calling towards students if they don't feel like the contributions they're making are valued by their school or if they don't feel like that they have that that special place to be authentic and to be vulnerable, just like you had mentioned before. We talked about acts of kindness and we talked about listening being kindness because it adds value. Do you have any advice for leaders as to ways that they can help teachers feel valued? Well, I think what you said earlier about, you know, the authenticity and the vulnerability and, and acknowledging you know, what is happening in our schools and what is happening in our current climate, not going off the cliff where, you know, that's all we're focusing on. But I think there is, there is a lot to be said uh, for having a leader say, I am listening to you. And this is what I hear you saying to me, you know, that reflective thing, just like we do with students, right? The reflection of, well, it sounds to me like this is what I hear you saying. But to be able to put that as a leader, for a leader to say, you know what? Yes, this is a very, very tough time. And it's a time where there aren't rules that we have the nice little handbook to teach us how to navigate you know, the perils that we're facing on a daily basis. But you know what? You're doing amazing. You are doing it. You are coming to the table every day and you are bringing your A game, even on the days when you feel like you're in the B, C, D, E game, you know? But I see you. I see the work you're putting in. I see the the time that you're taking to truly help these students in this situation achieve this thing. Like I see that. And I am so, so thankful and appreciative that I have the honor of being able to see that on a daily basis because of what you bring to the table. There is no other teacher that could do what you do for these students in your classroom and in our school. And we are going to celebrate that because that is what keeps us going. That is what shows those students that they can do anything. If they can get through this year being a student, if you can get through this year being a teacher, there is no limit to the excellence that you're going to be able to provide in this world in any capacity. So yes, is it tough? Absolutely. Do I hear the frustrations? Yes. Do I wish I could solve all the problems? Absolutely. But more important to that, I see you and I value you. And I just need you to know how much you mean to me and to this school and to our community. So if I'm hearing you right, (laughs) you're, and you know, I, I always try to I always try to do that. And as you were saying that, I was like, this is going to be really awkward when I come back and say, so if I'm hearing you right, but not planned at all. But the idea of highlighting how you see and hear them, 
There's mm. not a person in the world that doesn't want to be seen and heard. Right. And so if you can find something, it doesn't have to necessarily be unique, but it's got to be special to them. Mm -hmm. But if you can find something special to that person and highlight it to show them that you see them for who they are, mm -hmm. not for who you want them to be or who you need them to be, but who they actually are, and that you hear what they're saying to you, there's, there's nothing more powerful than that. That's what I'm hearing from you. Yeah. And it brings to light something that we do. I am, um, I work directly with um, elementary teachers in collaborative relationships where we integrate technology. But I also, because my passion is kindness, I also kind of go a little bit off with some of my teachers who, who also share a passion for kindness. And we do kindness lessons and make that a focus for the year. And so one of the things that is pivotal to those um, lessons that we do is we have all the students have a kindness journal. And the very first thing we do on the very first lesson is we um, fill out pages in our journal and we have kindness I see, kindness I receive, and kindness I do. Now imagine if you're a school leader and you had a similar way to document the things that you see teachers doing, the things that you received from teachers, whether it was not like a, necessarily a gift, but like, like someone smiled at you or so, you know, a teacher inquired how your day was or a teacher, you saw a teacher do an amazing lesson and it really resonated with you or with students or you received something from a parent about a teacher in a positive way. Like imagine if we were documenting those things when they came through and then the things you saw that teacher do to make your school amazing, to make those students feel loved and valued. Imagine how powerful that would be in our reflections to weave those into, you know, their performance plans and to write the quick thank you note. You know, maybe you target one teacher a week and you write them a handwritten thank you note that you slide into their little mailbox. You know, it doesn't have to be this big thing, but I can tell you right now from a teacher perspective, to be able to have something that's handwritten or something put in my performance plan or something that, that matters to me where you have actually acknowledged that you saw me in a way that truly was a way I was trying to shine <laughs> and trying to be the good. That's powerful. And it makes me want to continue to do that as well. That is so powerful. And it's funny that you say that because you just made me a better person by hearing that. Because scatter kindness to you. Well, you did. I'm <laughs> like confetti. It's all over like me. Confetti. But I um, so I have a folder in my desk mm -hmm. that I I call my good news folder. So whenever I get something like that, that's kind because we often have difficult times to go through. I print it. It's a card. I take it and I put it in my folder. So when I'm going through a difficult time, I open that up mm -hmm. and I and I read through those and I write thank you notes to teachers. But to have a journal, mm. I'm just thinking of the possibilities. That's so. That's so powerful that then I could share. So thank you for that. You just you just leveled me up a little bit there by that. And I'm leveling it up. I love it. And you know, depending on the type of leader you are, you know, if if you're a leader where you're like, you know, I, I'm old fashioned, I like a composition notebook, the one dollar black and white marble <laughs> composition notebook, like rock out. If you're somebody where you're like, you know, I'm really all about the flare pins and I like my spiral bound pretty notebook, by all means, go get the thing, you know. If you're somebody that's like, mm, I can't do that, but I I sure do like post-it notes. Well, by golly, get a little, you know, spiral bound notebook and slap your post-it notes in there. Like whatever works for you. But imagine the joy if you, if you take the things that the note keeping in the ways that 
that resonate with your soul that make you happy. And then you do that in combination with documenting the good you see in your school, the joyous moments, documenting the positivity. Wow, what a powerful tool for you to start to shift that little nudge of culture in a positive way. That's awesome. So now this is so much part of you. Clearly, anybody listening can uh, can attest to that. And me being able to see you and how excited you are about this stuff really attests to that. But it's so ingrained in you. This next question might be difficult. I'm going to ask you these two questions that I asked everybody that's on here as we get to the end of the end of the show. The first one is, if you were not a teacher, who, not what would you be? If I was not a teacher, who right. would I be, not what? Who would you be, not what? We're an educator. Hmm. You, can, you can substitute those words if you want. Yeah, that is, that's a tough one. I'm going to tell you, that's tough because, you know, when you look back a, a, upon your life, many of us look back and are like, well, gosh, was there ever a time that I didn't want to be a teacher? Like, what could I have been? Like, could there possibly have been any other purpose? I mean, I know um, being a mother to me, is extremely valuable. In fact, I would probably place that higher than education, (laughs) Um, but I am a mother, you know? And so I'm luckily I get to have that and I understand those experiences. But if I had to choose who I could be that I'm not already, in addition to being a teacher and a leader and a mother, you know, this pops in my head. It's so silly and random, but I remember there was a time in high school when I was doing um, drama and in the plays. And I love the thought of being an actress, right? And I even for a split hot second thought, I am live in Virginia and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to apply to UCLA and I'm going to go take drama classes and I am going to be an actress. I am going to be on Broadway musicals. I'm going to be on the stage. I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. I'm going to transform all this, right? Had all these great dreams and visions until I spoke with my father and he said, I don't think so, but great ideas, right? (laughs) As I think in this moment, what is it that made that who so attractive? Why did I want to be an actress? I think part of it was, of course, the escapism, right? Because, oh, I can escape. I can be someone else that I'm not. I can be on stage. I can take a persona that I'm not. But I also think the drive for me that really appealed to being an actress was for a short amount of time, I could take you on a journey that took you away from the trials and tribulations of your life, that you could not have the weight of the world on your shoulders. You could escape the hardships. You could take a breath and be in the moment and be transported into something else for just a few moments, just just a bit of time. You could just pause. And so, yeah, I think if I were not a teacher or leader, I would like to be in some kind of role. It doesn't necessarily have to be an actress because I can't really memorize lines that well, but some kind of role where I could take you on a journey where you could just imagine a different world that's a happier place to be and not have to live in the stress and the weight of the world in that moment. And I would say, I can't stop smiling because I would say anybody that just heard your explanation of why would understand why you're so good at what you do. Oh, 
gosh, it's just a part of who you are. You know, when you ask someone to talk about who they are and what makes them, what makes them that person and stuff like it's people are fascinating and they're so inspiring when you can get them to, you know, be a little introspective and share about their purpose and passion. It's great. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, you had me hanging on, hanging on your words and that, (laughs) that, that explanation. I mean, what else do you do with students every day? And what do leaders do with teachers every day? They, they give them that ability to step Mm -hmm. out and imagine what could be and to look at things in a better light. Yeah. And to know that today is not the end. Right. You know, today's right. not the end. I mean, today is just the beginning. Today is just a speck on the spectrum that's going to grow and burn so brightly. Like there's so much amazingness down the pike, but we just got to get you there. We just got to get you there. That's awesome. So this brings me to my last question. With all that you've said today, what is the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower their teachers? I would say, if you could just take a moment out of your busy day and see the good in those with whom you serve, and then to take it one step further and to acknowledge it in your own way, I think that is what will level up what you do in building your positive culture in your school. When you can make sure you know that those students, teachers, stakeholders, that you recognize the value they bring, not just in their work, but even in their personal lives, you know, getting to know, building relationships, those types of things. When you can see the good in each and every person with whom you serve, that is when you're going to be able to better support, engage, and empower those that you lead. Fantastic. So how do people talk to us? How do people get in touch with you if they want to hear more about this? And and don't worry, I will definitely link up your book in the show notes so people can hit that and get that. Because, I mean, it, it, from everything you're talking about, it just sounds like such a fantastic journey that you would take us all on. Um, and moving forward. But how do people reach out and get in touch with you for more on this topic? Oh my goodness, I am everywhere. If you just go, it's <laughs> so true. I mean, if you Google Tamara Letter, oh my gosh, the whole first page is just me. It's the beauty of having a unique last name. Um, but if you are on Twitter or if you're on Instagram, you can find me with the handle at Tamara Letter. I am even on TikTok, folks. That is what I'm trying to learn and grow this year, but I'm on there also as Tamara Letter. If you're on Facebook, we have a Passion for Kindness Facebook group where we literally just post (laughs) random acts of kindness and things that we see in social media, and we just kind of share that out to bring joy to our day. You can join that Facebook group. I have a blog that I write stories about not just being an educator, but being a mom. And of course, kindness stories. That's at tamraletter.com. And uh, yeah, you can reach me that way. Or if you need email, if you're old school like me and want to do email, you can email celebratekindness at gmail.com. Lots of ways to connect. You have all kinds of things out there. All kinds of things. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you weren't kidding when you said you're everywhere. (laughs) 
That's excellent. Hey, Tamara, really, I can't thank you enough for coming on today and talking about kindness and spreading kindness around in different ways that we can get that done. So I really appreciate it. There is no way that somebody will be able to listen to this and not find all kinds of things and nuggets that they can pull out moving forward with kindness. Well, thank you so much for having me today. It was such a joy to be able to connect with you and to chat about kindness and positivity and making the things we do exceptional. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.